So Lord, um, I thank you for Jason, Lord, the man of God, and uh, and I look forward to hearing what he has to say, Lord God. And uh, and as a church, we just echo the prayer that we say, uh, Father, we want you to speak to us this morning. And that, Lord, we come, and we come with ears open, Lord, and we come with eyes open to see you, to hear you, Lord, and to perceive the things. You've said, Lord, in your word, that uh, who knows the mind of God except, except his spirit, but we've been, we've been given his spirit. So we can know the mind of God. And I pray that you would speak through Jay. I, I affirm him, Lord, as a man of God, as a man, Lord, who can proclaim your word, Lord. I bless him this morning. I pray that you would speak through him, use him, Lord God. Set him on fire this morning, Lord God, and be with him uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Um, morning, church. Morning, church. Very quiet. Very quiet. Um, this morning, this morning I'm going to be uh, preaching from, taking a, a message from Psalm 16. So if any of us have your Bibles, I know Mal is going to throw it up on the screen there, Psalm 16. But, um, I was coming over in the car this morning with Adele, and I felt the Lord say to me, what is the meaning of life? That's what I felt him saying in the car. And uh, I sat and thought about it, and here's, you can take me out and you can stone me later, right? but here's what I'm going to tell you. The meaning of life is, first and foremost, the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth. Some people will disagree, and they have disagreed with me. They have disagreed. But everything comes from knowing him. Everything good comes from knowing him. Life comes from him. Truth comes from him. Everything comes from him. I remember I said to one guy before, I said, if you put God first in your life, I said, everything else will work in. He said, what? You put God before your, ki- or you put your, you put God before your kids and before your missus and for your family. I says, yeah. He couldn't wrap his head around that. He couldn't wrap his head around why I would do that. And I just said to him, I said, listen, pal. I said, if I put God first, everything from God is good. And if it comes through me, it's going to go to my wife, my kids, and my family. And this morning, I want to tell you that we're talking from Psalm 16. And David in the Psalms was a great man of God, but he just amazes me, and uh, he absolutely amazes me. And uh, this morning, if I could just say to you, regardless of what's going on for you, bring it back to God. Everything starts with him, and everything finishes with him. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the start and the beginning. He's absolutely everything. Everything is wrapped up in him. Everything. And for those of you who don't know me, I um, was addicted to heroin and crack for nearly 25 years since I was a young teenager. And uh, I chased after everything. Money, property, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I chased after it all. And I got it. And I got it in abundance. But you know what? It still left me wanting. And I ended up with absolutely nothing. Because you see, it all falls away if you haven't got the one who gives. And in 2010, Christmas Eve, I made a decision. Just like I'm here standing here this morning, someone told me 
about the creator of heaven and earth. And Christmas Eve 2010, do you remember the bad snow? Really bad. I know I was in a bad way. I was broken. I'm still broken in some ways. But I was very broken. Uh, I was on death's door and I had addiction up to here and trouble up to here and court cases and all sorts going on. And I remember that Christmas Eve, it was a cold Christmas Eve, and you know what, I remember it to the T because I felt alone. Everything the world had and what I'd gained from the world was absolutely nothing. The Bible says, what does a man gain? Gains the whole world, but loses his soul. That was me. But in 2010, Christmas Eve, here's what I said. It wasn't any big religious prayer. Just, God, I don't know who you are or where you are. I know you're out there somewhere. Here's what's left of me. There and then, God came into my life, the creator of heaven and earth, stepped into my life, and I took hold of it. Been with him ever since. And you know what? He's faithful and he's never let me down once. I've let him down, but he's never let me down once. And everything changes when you meet the creator. Everything changes. You see, the only one that can fix you is the one who made you. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. And this morning, I want to speak to some broken people. I want to speak to some people who haven't got it all together. Because if you have it all together, you don't need Jesus. He came not for the... He, you read the scriptures. He came for the ones who are broken. He came for the ones who are in bits. You look in the Gospels who he went after. You see, a need is what attracts God. I believe that with all my heart. If you have a need, God is attracted to that. Whatever that need is, it could be emotionally, you could need healing, you could need finances, you could need absolutely anything, restoration, deliverance, anything. God is attracted to a need. But this morning I believe with all my heart that this word is from God and I believe that I'm here. I'm, I think, you know when I was sitting there and I was saying to myself, I'm coming here this morning and I think I'm like a Barnabas. Barnabas in the Bible was, a, was called the son of encouragement. And I'm here this morning to encourage you and just to build you up and to just to release what God has for you, yeah? Amen? And be free, church. And be free this morning. And I pray that your ears and your hearts are open this morning. And guys, I'm the first one to admit it. I haven't got it all together. And the day I have it all together or the day I think I have it all together, I don't need Jesus. So I'm proclaiming I haven't got it all together. Amen? Amen. Good stuff. Um, I heard a story. I, was, I, I laughed at this. I heard a story online. Um, I was doing some research and stuff. And uh, one, a, a speaker says um, that uh, he was talking of a pastor and his wife. Not used to, by the way. <laughs> but he was talking as a... It, it, this is funny now. I thought it was funny. He was talking of a pastor and his wife. And... Uh, they have this, you know, they have this mega church in America and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they're sort of um, very holy and they have it all together. And, you know, their church has it all together and all that sort of stuff. But this speaker came to speak and um, he gave a great message. So the, the couple invited him back. The couple invited um, Mary, could you put your hand on that kettle there, please? Sorry, I forgot your name. Yeah. Father, we just release healing to Ephah's body in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We call everything into order. 
We rebuke pain in the name of Jesus and I just release healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, so, this speaker came to this church, this big massive church where they all had it together. Everybody was all prim and proper. Everybody was very holy. Uh, everything was done right and all of that. And um, So anyway, the speaker was invited back by the pastor and his wife to the house for something to eat. So anyway, they had a great meal and a great chat and stuff like that. So after, anyway, the speaker went, he left. And uh, the wife was cleaning up and she said to her husband, I, I think he's after robbing one of the spoons. And he said, what are you on about? Robbing one of the spoons. Anyway, I think he's after robbing one of the spoons. So anyway, the husband was like, oh, you're mad, you're going to have to help. So anyway, that went on. Eight, nine months later, he was invited back to speak in the church again. So anyway, gave a great message. Same thing again. He was invited back to the house for uh, something to eat. Comes back to the house. And uh, during the message, before he came back to the house, there was a wife. the wife was looking at him as much as, you robbed my spoon now in my house. So anyway, when she got back to the house, had the food, everything was great. They had a great chat. They were leaving. And the wife said to him, she said, uh, I can't help but ask you this. And uh, she says, what? She says, you know when you were here nine months ago? You rob a spoon out of my house. And he says, no, ma'am, I put it in your Bible. So the very, the very church, the very church that had it all together and was so holy and had everything together. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. Yeah? That puts you in your place, wouldn't you? Yeah? How many spells going to now? Where I got for that? Anyway, Psalm 16. Let's kick it off. Is it on the screen, Amen. Amen. Um, psalm 16. This is a great uh, psalm. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. That was me. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their name on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithfulness one, sorry, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Isn't that amazing? And the psalm is titled, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to try. Uh, the psalm is titled, uh, A Meach Tam of David. You know the way on top of the psalms, there's different things on some of the psalms. There's Selah, and it says this, that, and the other. Well, on this, I don't know how, Meach uh, Tam, that's how I pronounce it. I think that's how the Lord would pronounce it. <laughs> 
Where the image time of David, and the title image time is commonly understood as golden. Though others think it's related to a word meaning to cover. A mitch time was also a lid to cover a vessel in the time the psalm was written. Since the psalm, since the psalms with the with the title, there are Psalm 16, and from Psalm 56 to 60 are written from times of peril. Some think the idea of of covering the lips in the sense of secrecy as this as if this were a secret or silent psalm given in a time of crisis this is a wonderful psalm relating how david found the secret contentment and great great gladness even in present times and great heartache and also speaking powerfully of jesus and his great works for us it's amazing because it's like david is prophesying about stuff that ultimately only Jesus can save us from. i.e. the realm of the dead, hell itself. And Peter Peter repeats these words of David in Acts 2.25 in the New Testament, solidifying what David had prophesied, which had to come, which had come to pass many years later. You see, David, David spoke of this stuff Sorry, my throat is all dry. David spoke of this stuff in this psalm. Yeah, Peter reiterated the words in Acts 2.25. And it actually came to pass at that time what David had actually spoken of and prophesied beforehand. Um, I'm always thinking, if there was anybody in the Bible that I'd love to be, a lot of people you'd ask and they'd say Paul, you know, because Paul, like, Paul was the man of the Gospels and Paul wrote most of the Gospel and stuff like that. But since I got saved, I have a real fascination with David. Because, um, you know, back to when David was a child or back to when David was a young lad, I believe David, this is what I believe, I believe David was a New Testament character living in an Old Testament setting. It was like David, I, I feel and I believe with all my heart that when David was a young boy and he was sitting out in the hills minding his father's sheep, that he had a real, real revelation of God. Something happened in David's heart that caused him to worship the way he did. Something happened in David's heart that caused him to be such a little warrior in the sight of God. And, uh, you know, David, um, he, wasn't, he hadn't got it all together either. But yet God chose him to be king. He chose him to be king. And I just love David because David knew, although David had, he had a great mantle on his life from God and David had a lot to do for God, David failed miserably many times, many times, many times. But in Job 7.20, here's what it says in Job 7.20, God is the preserver of men. God is the preserver of men. And I think David took this literally. David grabbed hold of that and he took it to heart and he literally held on to that. You know, although this psalm started with a prayer and even employs some sort of trouble, it quickly abounds in a godly confidence and finishes off with a blessed assurance of divine safety and joy in the Lord's presence. Isn't that amazing? And if you read about David, 
there's a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff David wrote. And when you hear David speaking, you hear him and he wasn't afraid. Even though David was anointed as a child by Samuel to be king. It was about 20 years later, I think, before he became king. But uh, all through his life, one thing I noticed about David, he wasn't afraid to pour his heart out before God. He knew that he needed God. And even so, sometimes in the scriptures, you hear stuff from David like, Lord, smash that heat in. Kill them, Lord. Do you know what I mean? He was getting stuff off his chest. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah? Come on. Anybody ever feel like that? I know Adele feels like doing that probably five times a day to me. Yeah? But I'm not like that. I'm so perfect. No, but do you know what I'm trying to say to you? David realized that he could be a real person before a real God. Do you know what I mean? We all have shortcomings. We all have them. David knew that. David knew that. And when I first got saved and, and read scriptures like this, like this Psalm 16, I wondered how David could attain this confidence in God. That used to baffle me. How David was able to attain this confidence in everything that he was going through and went through. When he was clearly a man with many troubles and many failures. David let God down so many times. He let his people down so many times. He made adultery. He murdered another man's. Uh, sorry, he murdered another the woman that he was with. He got his uh, got the husband murdered. He done all sorts to cover up sin. David done all sorts of stuff. But I know one thing: he kept coming back before God. He knew God was his answer. He knew he had to keep coming back before God. Because God had made a way. But I quickly understand or understood that I have many failures and I have many problems. But God is forever faithful. And when you understand God is forever faithful, it releases you to be who you are. It's, it's like... We don't have to have it all together. He has it all together. We just keep looking to him. We just keep looking to him. And slowly but surely, we start coming into alignment with what God has for us. Because if we stand up or get up in the morning and think we have it all together, we're cutting God out of the picture. We're cutting him out of the picture. Sometimes I get into the car in the morning and I'm driving off to work or wherever I'm going. Say a simple thing, like the simple thing I've done when I got saved. Say, Jesus, I need you today. Sometimes I might even tell him what I need for, but he no I know that he knows what I need. And it's a simple thing, like, Jesus, I need you. And that's like a magnet to God. Even that, that's like a magnet to God. It was like David at the start of this. There was a cry in David's heart in this psalm. And that's what attracts God. God is attracted to need. I know that with all my heart. But God is forever faithful. And I believe that David was a man that looked back for the faithfulness of God in his life regularly. I believe God, I believe David was a man that looked back for the faithfulness of God in his life regularly. 
because when he reminded himself of the bear and the lion and the giants and the armies he came up against, he was all the time reinforcing the faithfulness of God in his life. You get a football team, you know, many great managers of football teams, when they're going out for a big match, especially when they're bringing them out for a big match, they walk the team through the trophy room and he, he reiterates and he reinforces confidence in them. How does he do that? He shows them what they've done, what they've overcome, what they've won. And it, and it builds something up in you. And it's like us, we have to recall what God has done in the past. Not that we lived there, but we need to recall what God has done in the past. Because just like that song says, he'll do it again. And he'll do it again and again and again. And we have to be like David. When we're in situations where everything seems impossible, we need to be like a David and we say, Lord, I remember when you done this. Lord, I remember when you got me out of pit. Lord, I remember when you got me out of that situation. We need to recall the faithfulness of God in our life, reinforcing what we have and standing in his confidence. Amen? David reinforced the faithfulness of God in his life. Therefore, taking hope and confidence in God for the next challenge or problem that life threw at him. I'll share the story in a minute that sums up Psalm 16 for me and my life and Adele's life. But I believe with all my heart that we have to take the scriptures and we nearly have to take them and have this unwavering, throwing cautions and fears to the wind attitude that what God says he'll do, he'll do. That's where we need to get there. I'm not saying that I'm there. I'm not there. But that's where, that's, I think that has to be the goal. That we take the very scriptures. Can I have that Bible please there? We take. We take the very. We take the very scriptures. The very word of God. And it's nearly like. We throw every caution to the wind. No but what if this happens God? No but what does your word say? No but what if that doesn't happen in the morning? No but what does your word say? We need to keep bringing it back to the word. And that's what David done. David reminded himself of what God had told me he was going to do. And he done it. And that's what we need to do. And we haven't been left as orphans. David only had the Spirit of God on him. We have the Spirit of God in us. And we have this. We have the Bible. We haven't been left as orphans. So if you're looking for an answer to something, open your Bible. You might find a spoon in it. <laughs> but open your Bible. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Look, we all fall short. And we all have failures. Just like David. And he was used mightily by God. But go back to the word. Keep going back to the word. I say to Adele all the time, when we're, even when we're arguing, no, but what does God say? What does God say? No, but this, this, this. No, but what, what does God say? Because that's where it all starts and finishes. That's where it all starts and finishes with God. God will do what he says he'll do. And from the time I got saved in 2010, I have been praying earnestly and diligently that my family, my brothers, our kids, grandchild, like extended family, I pray for them. I'm not going to lie to you. I pray for them first and foremost. And then after that, I pray for everybody around me, all my friends, anybody I know. I'm driving down the road and I see someone on the side of the street. I say, Lord, save them. Because I have that in me. 
I understand what it means to be snatched from the fire. I understand what it means to be placed in the heavenly places with Jesus. You know, I understand that. And if you don't understand that today, come and speak to me afterwards and I'll explain it to you. Because you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to know him and your family need to know him. And it's our job and your job, church, to share Jesus with your family and your friends and your loved ones and your kids. Show them Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. I remember I seen the gospel before I heard it. I seen it in someone's life. An old friend of mine that God had saved. I seen the gospel before anything was said to me. And there's many ways. There's many ways of getting the gospel to someone. There's only one way to the Father. And that's the Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I urge you, church, you don't know. You don't know the Lord Jesus. Come and speak to me afterwards. Or come and speak to Rob. If your family don't know them, start praying for them. Call them into the kingdom. Bring them in. You want them saved, don't you? You want, to, you want them to have eternal life. Amen? Amen. And as I said to you, I'm going to share a story. This is a very heart-wrenching story for me, but it, it, um, it just shows God's faithfulness and the confidence that I can have in God. This, this psalm was also known as the prayer of confidence. And um, it's funny that when I walked in here this morning, that Bible is open, and it I think it belongs to the Methodist Church, doesn't it? And it's open on Psalm 16. God want to speak this morning? You tell me. I think he does. I think he does. But, uh, yeah, Psalm 16 sums up like this for me. And Adele. I am... Um, About two years ago, myself and Adele come home off a holiday. And we were jet-lagged and we got into bed. And I was in bed a couple of hours. And I got a phone call. And it was my brother on the phone. That our son, Patrick, 18 years of age, had been in a car crash. And uh, basically I was told that he had no chance of living. He had nine blood clots in the brain. He would bleeding on the brain. He had ten breaks in his face. His head was cracked open. He had a punctured lung. He had broken tibia, broken fibula, broken shoulder, broken arm. Lacerations all over his face. He was in bits. And I just, it was like my whole world was at the falling apart right there and then. I says to Adele, get up. And Adele says, what's wrong? And I explained to her. I never realised how bad it was until I got there. And I'm going up in the car and somehow, I'm recalling the promises of God, just like what David did. I'm recalling them, and I'm speaking in the car, and I start praying in tongues in the car, and I've never prayed this tongue in my life. I'd never heard it before, but it came from a place deep down inside of me that something was happening up here. You know what I'm trying to say to you? I was praying in tongues, but this tongue that was coming out, it was nearly like something that was just breaking stuff, and it was, it was getting to the heavens, and there was heaven coming down. And I walked in, and uh, the nurse let me in. Myself and Adele walked in, and I'm not going to mess with you. His head was lacerated. He was in bits. Um, he was like a slab of meat lying on a slab. 
And the very thing that I'm at the same to you a few minutes ago. The very thing that I said to you a few minutes ago, I went over to him. And I had to give him Jesus. I went over to him. He was that bad. I w- got down and I whispered into his ear. And I said to him, Patrick, ask Jesus to save you. That was my first word to our son. Ask Jesus to save you. Because he was on death's door. And I want him in eternity. So I got down. Adele was on the other side of the bed. And Adele was prophesying over him. I start walking up and down. And I start proclaiming what the Bible says. I start walking up and down in the hospital. And it says, Patrick, you will live, you will not die. You will live, you will not die. I start speaking this into the atmosphere of the hospital. And I'm, I'm not messing when I say this. It was a horrible sight. He was in bits. But somehow, somehow, when they rang Beaumont, Beaumont Hospital, we found this out afterwards. Beaumont Hospital said, get him over, we have a slot. Because if there's not a slot in Beaumont Hospital, you're not going. We don't take you. So anyway, Noel and Sharon was at the ring us. And I says to Adele, they were on their way to Nace Hospital. And I said, tell them that he's going to Beaumont, that um, they have a spot. So Noel was waiting there at Beaumont Hospital when he was coming out of the back of the ambulance. And my sister-in-law says, let that man in and pray for him. He was wheeled into the operating theatre. And Noel, this is not my words, but Noel said, they were like mechanics all standing around the car waiting to get at it. He said they were in their gowns. He said all the surgeons were standing around. And Noel went in. And my son was lying there. Our son was lying there. And Noel went in and he laid his hands on him. And he prayed. And he reminded and he reminded himself of the promises of God over this young man's life. And Noel released surgeons to do what God has called him to do. And that was to bring life to this child. We went downstairs. And Noel was there, and uh, I was told this story. We were down there for about four or five hours, and the surgeon came in, and he says, I got them. I got them. They went in, and they got the blood clots out of his head, and now he was on life support machine upstairs. But we were still recalling the faithfulness of God. I don't know how you do it. Don't ask me how it works. In times of stress and in times of trouble, just like this, just like David, that psalm came from a time of peril. I don't know how it works, but somehow, I think it's the Holy Spirit within you. Just, just keep calling out to God and you keep believing His promises because everything is telling you different. The devil is telling you different. People are telling you different. He's no chance. And I remember standing there, and here's what the devil said to me, and I'm going to tell you. He says to me, see where all your preaching gets your son now? That's what the devil said to me. But I gave him back. I said, no, my son will live and he will, he will not die. He will live and he will not die. When the surgeon came in, he said he'd got them, the blood clots. He was on life support machine up in the room. While he was up in the room, I was so confident at that time that God was going to save our son. Myself and Adele were down in the cafe downstairs ministering to an old man that said to me, we started talking to him, and I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm not good. And I said, why? And he says, I'm afraid to go into, I'm afraid to go into a dark black hole. He said to me, while our son was upstairs on life support, he said, downstairs in the cafe, I'm afraid to go in a dark black hole. I said, well, that doesn't have to happen. He said, why? And I told him about Jesus. And I told him what Jesus came to do. That man gave his life to Jesus there and then in the cafe while our son was upstairs on life support machine. You see, God is about his business. 
and God is out to save souls. And that man, I'm not joking you, Adele will testify to this, he went out of that cafe with a spring in his step. He knew he didn't have to go into that black hole. His body might do it. His spirit is going to a place in glory. Amen? A place in glory. But I said that to say all of this, and by the way, four days, five days later, I used to go up to the bed and I'd stand over the bed with this in the hospital when he was on life support. I used to stand over the bed and I'd proclaim and I'd prophesy the word of God over his life. I used to read the prodigal son over his life that he was coming home. I believe with all my heart that he was coming home. We anointed the bed post of the bed. We'd done absolutely everything. Let me tell you something. Two weeks later, he was out, right? Flying around in a wheelchair around Clondalkin. Couldn't keep him in. Two weeks later, this was a man that the surgeon afterwards told us when he rang Beaumont, he told Beaumont, I'm ringing from Nice Hospital, we have a dead man on our hands. Now, he's flying around the place. Flying around the place. Amen? So, I shared that story. I shared that story to tell you that God is faithful. God is faithful. And, it's, and your confidence has to be in him. If I hadn't got Jesus in my life at that time, I would have fell apart. I probably would have OD'd on drugs or something. You know what I mean? But I had an anchor, and his name was Jesus, and, his, and my confidence had to be in him. And I recalled, while I was sitting there in the hospital, I recalled, you took me out of the pit, you saved me from death. You're going to do the same thing for our son. God is faithful, and he does it, and he'll do it again, just like that song says. He'll do it again. Listen to some of those in the Bible. Listen to some of those people in the Bible that just always came back to their confidence in God. Abraham had confidence that God would save his son Isaac when he put him on the altar. Moses was confident that God was with him when he went before the very cruel Pharaoh to let his people go. David went before Goliath knowing his confidence was in the Lord God. Elijah was confident that God would hear his prayers when calling down heaven. The Roman officer was confident that the Lord Jesus just had to say the word and his servant would be healed. The woman with the issue of blood was confident that only if she could touch the hem of his garment that she would be healed. The Gentile woman was confident that Jesus could set our demon-possessed daughter free. And there's many more people in the Bible and here today that have confidence in God. You have many failures and trials and tribulations. And church, I want to tell you that even the greatest one of them all, the Lord Jesus Christ, had total confidence in his father. But yet in the garden of Gethsemane, he said this, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Even Jesus knows what it's like to be rattled and shaken. But his confidence was in his father. He kept bringing it back to his father. Just like the patriarchs of the Bible. And there's many more here today there's many more here today that your confidence is in God. And I don't care what you're going through. 
or what mountain you're trying to climb, that if you bring it back to God and bring your confidence back to God and put your confidence back in Him, because we all stray. Sheep stray all the time. The shepherd is always waiting. The shepherd is always waiting. But I'm here to encourage you this morning that if you strayed off the, if you've strayed just like one of them sheep, and maybe you're in church all the time, but you're still finding it hard to have confidence in God regarding a certain issue in your life, I'm here today to, to encourage you, to tell you that God is faithful. God is faithful. Bring it to him. God is faithful. He's faithful. We all stray. I remember, I remember I was preaching one day, and after I pre- preached, the Lord rebuked me. And I said, Lord, I says, uh, I said, Lord, I'd never stray away from you. He says, yeah, you did. You've done it for a whole week. Wow. And at that time, I was in Bible college. I was preaching. I was doing all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. In church, doing everything. But in my heart, I was away from God. And it can happen so easy. But all we have to do is come back. Because he'll never leave us, not forsake us, yeah? Never. Never. And that's a promise. You can take that to the bank. Amen? Amen. Found this story online. And it says this. James DeMello relates to the story of how his friends, of how he was at his friend's place who had a pit bull terrier. The man had a terrier hanging from the tree. Got the dog worked up and then shoved the turret at it. The dog latched on with his teeth onto the turret. The man would shake the turret and swing it in the air from side to side, but the dog would not let go. How long will he do that for? Asked James the Mellon. A couple of hours sometimes. I go in and eat the meal, and he's still out there latched onto the turret when I come out. He said, really? He can go for that long? Yeah, come on, let's go and eat. He went inside, but the dog was still holding on to the turret a couple of hours later. Finally the, old, finally, the owner had to pry the dog's jaws off the turret. I believe that this is an example of what you might call confident pit bull faith. It never lets go of the promises of God. And sometimes, guys, we have to get into a mode you know, the Bible talks sometimes about taking the kingdom by force. Sometimes we've got to get into a mode and we're saying, no, I'm shoving out the voice of the enemy. I'm shoving out the voice of everybody around me. And I'm believing what God has for me. And I'm sticking at it. And I'm latching on just like that people. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep praying for my son's salvation or my daughter's salvation or my family's salvation. I'm going to keep praying for that home I'm looking for. I'm going to keep praying for that job I'm looking for. You have to nearly, like, dog it, get in there and battle for it. Amen? Because God is faithful. Everything comes to pass in God. Everything comes to pass in God. We have to be like that pit bull. That we don't let go of the promises of God. We have to be like that. Hold on. God has a plan. Hold on. God is on the throne. Still on the throne. God is still ruling. Jesus is still Lord. You just have to come for it. Lord, I need you. The great D.L. Moody, it was said, he's an American evangelist in the 19th century, and it was said when he laid on his deathbed, 
he was reputed to have said to his sons, if God be our partner, make our plans large. Isn't that amazing? If God be our partner, make our plans large. And George, finishing on this this morning, here's a great promise from our God. In 1 John 4, 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In you. You're born again by the Spirit of God. Greater is he, the one that's in you, the one that's in the world. Amen.